This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Red wig and a silver dress? I don't think. My name's Keen. DDC off the BBC on the STP. I'm James. And we have a wonderful guest for you on this episode of Siskepod, Davina DeCampo. Yeah, I know. Our, our favourite runner-up, <laughs> I do think. <laughs> <laughs> From Drag Race UK, our origin story. I'm so excited. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're kind of throwing it back there and Davina was so generous with her time and we had a really good chat, got into the weeds of... of, of of Drag Race UK and just what she's been up to since then. Yep, absolutely. It was wonderful to chat to her. She was all dragged up as well, so you might even see a couple of stills. Oh, watch out on your Instagram. <laughs> okay, so we won't <laughs> keep it from you any longer. Welcome to Sissy That Pod, Davina DeCampo. Davina DeCampo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Here we are. I've got brought a big cup of of tea. That, that, that is the most enormous cup I think I've ever seen. It looks actually bigger than your head. Yeah, well, it's actually bigger than my head. <laughs> it's a dub- double gulp, is it, Cup? Yeah, it's it's called a big gulp. Yeah. Um, but the, <laughs> the paint's come off the front of it now, which is unfortunate. It's apparently not dishwasher safe. Oh. Um, <laughs> I got it in LA, so I was out there recording, and of course everything is supersized yeah. apart from me. So I thought, well, I'll get that. Okay. That'll see me through a week. <laughs> Would a cup of tea in that now last year a nice 40 minute drag performance? <laughs> yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what more can you want? What every British drag queen needs, right? Exactly. I just have to, because I wear a head mic, I just have to put my hand by the that, that otherwise the head mic goes in the cup. <laughs> end up with a very soggy microphone <laughs> so how has the first almost year since drag race uk been obviously we have a you know the worldwide pandemic put that aside has it has it been positive yeah it has actually um it's been really really good fun um it's there's been a lot happened mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whirlwind like i mean How's the first year been? Sounds like an innocuous question, doesn't it? <laughs> Tell me, I, was it nice? There's been a lot. I feel that's just the tagline for 2020. When it comes to New Year's <laughs> Eve, we'll be like, 2020, a lot happened. Uh, <laughs> but a lot happened while you could do fucking nothing. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been interesting. Um, there's just been so much going on it's felt like you know being on a treadmill trying to keep up all the time because obviously the beginning of the year kicked off with DragCon UK which I suppose was probably to be like kickstarting a massive year of touring for you and and all of the the girls from uh, from Drag Race UK so having to kind of go from that into your 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 basement to your your garage to do performances how have you found that that kind of transition yeah it's been like that's been really um weird and i've 
like my shows particularly are very much kind of audience involvement. Mm -hmm. You know, they are as much a part of what's going on as I am. Um, And so the shows which I've enjoyed more have been the ones where they have been actively involved in like decision-making of what I'm going to do and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas the ones where, you know, early on in lockdown, I did a set for um, a charity and uh, there was no communication between me and the audience. So you're just singing in your fucking kitchen to yourself. Like, (laughs) don't know whether you're enjoying this or not, guys. Don't really care. Nothing I can do about it. (laughs) So, yeah, like those, I didn't, I haven't enjoyed those as much. Um, But actually it's been okay. And it's given me an opportunity to do lots of stuff like this, you know, chatting with people who I wouldn't normally get, Mm. get the time to, because I'm, you know, when you're traveling from gig to gig to gig to gig, you can't sit on a train and have a conversation with people because, I mean, one, there's people around you and I'm not that person. If I'm on the fucking train and somebody rings me, I'm like, hello, I'm on the train, I've got to go. <laughs> so it's been good to do that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm like you said, I'm sat in my garage, which uh, I've been soundproofing. So I'm I'm part way through filling all the cracks in all the plasterboard, and then I've cut out all the carpet to go on the walls and the ceiling, and then it's done. It's finished and ready. <laughs> I mean, I think that's an episode of Changing Rooms that never happened. You know, Davina wants to convert her her one car garage into a studio. I am in fact the, the new Carol Smiley. Yeah. <laughs> Drag Carol Smiley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I suppose let's take it back to the start. When you first applied or when you were first approached for Drag Race UK season one, what did you expect the show would be? And did it turn out as you expected? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't approached. Um, I don't know if any of the other girls were. I don't think so because it's the BBC and they're not really supposed to do that because it's the BBC. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like ITV and Channel 5 are allowed to do that because they're they're not publicly funded. So they don't have to have the same... uh, Fairness. Fairness. <laughs> I mean, it still has to be fair to a certain point. But, yeah. you know, if you put uh, Alexandra Burke against me, well, of course, she's going to win that week, isn't she? <laughs> you know, so they know what they're doing. Um, that was just a really, it's a really long process, actually, um, applying for, for the show. Um Longer than any of the others that I've done. You know, I've yeah. done Britain's Got Talent and X Factor yeah. and pop stars that, you know, I am mm. that old. Um, <laughs> so if there was a show, I've I've done it. Um, and all of those, uh, those generally are sort of fill out your form, turn up on the day, do your audition, piss off or come mm. back. Whereas uh, for this one, the, the prelim preliminary process is really really long like send stuff in have a phone call send more stuff in have another phone call have a meeting go and see this person talk to this person do this do that make a video the video is like intense um so it's a and then and even then once you've done the video like my uh, thankfully i've done enough tv to know that once you've done it you just have to walk away Get on with what what the hell you've got going on in your life, yeah. which you know. Thankfully, I'm booked and blessed, darling. So my diary is full. 
Um, so, like, I was busy anyway. Um, and, I mean, I was sorting some of this stuff out in the, the January, I think. January, February. Because I was on tour with, with a panto, you know. Yeah. When it was all sort of still happening. So, um there's everybody else, you know, they're rigging me and I'm like, hello, yes, okay, yep, yeah, 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 great. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. You know, trying not to say anything that would give anything away at all. And then people, you know, saying, who was that? And I just say, oh, it's Paul about stuff for the house in Gran Canaria. Yeah. Uh, liar, liar, pants on fire. Um, and that's the most difficult thing, I think, as well. Again, I was lucky that, when when they kind of confirmed me, I because uh, you got a real short window of time to have yeah. everything kind of prepped. Um, so when I was having things made by other people, I was able to say, "Oh, all together now, the people who are making that are asking me for you know to do something else with them. So I need an outfit that is like this." Mm. What do yes. you? Yes, yeah. Can we? You know, and I would send them some pictures and stuff like that. So I. I you know, in terms of a cover story, I was kind of okay. Yeah. Because it was believable that actually other people were doing stuff with me anyway. Mm. Um, whereas for a lot of the girls, it was, I mean, just obvious what's going on. I think you remember Drag Tech um, in Manchester. Yeah. I had seen you at that and I was like, you like outperform. This is terrible because this is like fangirling on a podcast we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> you should be all like professional or whatever. But you had outperformed the, the US Queens like massively. And I was like, and I oh wasn't supposed to perform that day. I wasn't supposed to be on. <laughs> well, somebody else needed. <laughs> somebody else didn't turn up and they were like, we've got 40 minutes to fill. What are we going to do? And I was like, oh, for God's sake, get out of the way. Let me on that stage. Did I do Glitter and Be Gay or something? Yes. Yeah, which is, I mean, that is fucking, that is a ride, that song, Jesus Christ. When I make it to the end of that song and I'm like, yeah, you did it. I'm like, whew, okay. Because I'm never sure, when I start singing that one, I'm never sure I'm going to make it to the end. Like, quite often I'll go, nah, I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> But I suppose when you applied for Drag Race Season 1, did you know Rue and Michelle were going to be involved? Did you know it was going to be so close to the original season? Or did you just know it's a BBC drag competition show affiliated with Drag Race? Because it was being called RuPaul's Drag Race, I knew that RuPaul would be there. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a really good... You know, I pretty much knew that Michelle would be there because if Rue's going to be there, then so's Michelle. Hmm. Um not for any other reason than because actually she's just really good at being the right hand gal, you know, yeah. like she's the one that says all the shit that Rue can't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine the gag if Merle Ginsburg had come back for the UK version. <laughs> <laughs> no one would have seen that one coming. <laughs> I don't think she'd have seen that coming either. <laughs> what? <I> really? <laughs> I can work again. <laughs> yeah, so I knew that they would be. I didn't, you know, I had no idea who anybody else would be. And it, the honestly, when I first saw the post on Facebook, I thought it was a lie. Like I thought, oh, this can't be real. Yeah, this it's not true. It's not mm. true. Can't be. 
but don't be stupid. And then, you know, you follow it through, you follow the link and then you're like, oh, actually, this looks legit. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, what was interesting was the amount of girls who said to me, um, I'm I'm not going to apply until season two because I want to see how it pans out. Mm. And I was like, even if it's a car crash, you're still getting more exposure. You know, even if it's terrible and it bombs and nobody liked it, you can still, you know, there's been people who've been on shows which have absolutely bombed and been dreadful, who've still gone on and had great careers because they've managed to uh, create a relationship with the public. And so I was just like, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. If the reason is that you're scared that it might not be good, then you probably shouldn't apply anyway, full stop. Because competition in itself is fucking scary. Yeah. And you never know how you're going to come across or how the show is going to pan out. You don't know any of that stuff until it's done, until it's actually airing. Um, And like I said, once I've done the video and stuff, I'm very good at making work and then just leaving it and going, okay, that's it, that's Mm. that, that's done. And off we go. Go and do something else, you know, focus on the next project. And I've also been really, really lucky in that generally... Since I stopped teaching, like the projects and the work has been pretty much continuous when I've wanted it. Um, I mean, we're heading into the biggest global recession in our generation. So (laughs) I don't know that that's going to be quite... All those people that held out for season two of Drag Race UK, where are they now? (laughs) I mean, they're probably having a really intense meeting with their bank manager right now. So really why did you buy all these dresses? <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, I would die if that was I would I would have a mental breakdown. I yeah. know I would. I would be like full on, okay, I need to you need to put me into therapy. Yeah. I need to be locked away. I cannot cope with this. No, absolutely. Cuz you spent, you know, I spent a fair whack of money on my yeah. stuff to go with and you spend so much money, money that, you know, as a drag artist, you don't really have. You don't have that money because the way that I've always worked is everything that comes in goes straight back out on new outfits, wigs, dresses, shoes. Apparently, I've only worn one for 10 years. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> um, that did, that did uh, contribute to one of the most iconic moments of television in, in, in the last year, I'd say, though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's drag. It's not serious. You know, we're all just playing a game anyway. Having spent all of that money, if I then get halfway through filming or two weeks or three weeks into the filming and then they go, okay, guys, there's a global pandemic and you're all going to have to go home. Okay, bye. I would be like, Because ah! <laughs> how are you supposed to make any money then? How are you supposed to feed yourself, pay your bills? Like, you're fucked. And I assume that anything that you've purchased for the show you can't wear at engagements until the show has aired. So that stuff would just be sitting in your wardrobe. And you. And I'm wondering, are you your... allowed to buy an additional dress or is everything you bought sort of there in the workroom and you can't get at it until you're finished filming either? Like speculating, when you're there, that's mm. it. You're not allowed to bring anything else in and yeah. you're not allowed to take anything out. You know, you can take like a wig that you need to work on home and sort that but you can't, it's like one item. They're really, really strict. And, you know, with good reason, because you get into the room, you see everybody else's shit and you go, (gasps) 
<laughs> Shit, I better do something. Oh my God. You know, so they don't want you to suddenly turn up the next day with a whole brand new wardrobe. Um, so whose wardrobe had you the most gooped when you arrived on set? Um, Mine. <laughs> i'm sorry listen full disclosure like the finish on all of my outfits was just so much better it really was if you look up close at some of the fucking sewing on those other bitches outfits oh girl girl those seams are not straight but your that that, that uh, shopping bag look you had, I mean, it was so good. Like for that's one of the best looks in any of the design challenges. So I mean, you didn't bring that with you. So I know. Well, you know, you're a good caliber. Some of us can just turn it out when we need to. That's what it is. Was <laughs> <laughs> um, was it advertised beforehand that your big award uh, was going to be the badges and your kind of no. So was that like actually a shock that there was no money? <laughs> the gif that you must have seen of me going, what? No money? <laughs> that was my genuine reaction. That is the inside of my head playing out for the camera. And Jake, the boy who made that, I know Jake really well. And I messaged him and was like, did you crawl inside my head? Did you? <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea what the prize was. Nothing. So, like, genuinely, I thought probably, you know, because everyone keeps saying the BBC can't give away money. The BBC absolutely can give away money. I was on a show where we gave away £50,000. The BBC absolutely can give money away. I, I knew that it wouldn't be 50 k I knew that because it's the first series. It's the first time anybody's looking at any of this. And it's a risk. Like, when you look at the demographic of people who watch the BBC, this is a big risk for the Beeb. Mm. Like, big time. And really brave programming from them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was shocked, really, that ITV or um, Channel 4... you know, or somebody else hadn't got in there first, but no, BBC Three got in there. So you know, props to them, mm. yeah. uh, and f- and for then being able to push for the risk, you know, because it is a big risk. So I knew it wouldn't be a, a, you know, the biggest cash prize that they can give away. But I thought maybe it'll be like the first American series where it's twenty k. Yeah. You know, do you still have your your Rue Peter badges held in a glass case and your mantelpiece? Fucking hell, <laughs> do I have my Rue Peter badges? What the fuck am I going to do with them? I can't sell them. I would love to see how much somebody out there was willing to pay for a Rue Peter badge. Sh- ask Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true, yeah. (laughs) So I suppose the other sort of big iconic moment I felt from the series was the Frock Destroyers. Was it surreal to see how big that blew up? You were being played on BBC Radio 1, people were talking about it, made it into the top uh, 40. Yeah, what was that like? Yeah, it was crazy. And like when the date was uh, released, we beat Camilla Cabello and um, who was the other one? Dua Lipa, I think she was the same day. We beat both of them in terms of sales. We were number two on the iTunes chart at one point. 
Like, what the fuck? (laughs) 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 All right, babe. Um, Yeah, amazing. Like, what an incredible an incredible thing to be a part of mm. you know and fingers crossed there'll be some more of it to come hopefully you know um these things are always notoriously tricky and difficult to um to make happen yeah. but you know fingers crossed there will be something in the future from the three of us there was talks about getting the frog destroyers to be the UK's entry to Eurovision. Would you be open to that? Oh my God, I'd love it. I would love that. That would be so much fun. Can it, and actually very Eurovision. It oh, is. it's so you was, know, yeah. As a, as a band, we're very Eurovision. Um, and, you know, I think it'd be great fun. And it would, you know, then there's no stress, is there? If we don't win, if we do win, if we got top four, fucking 20 no one would care <laughs> it wouldn't matter as long as you just didn't get actually yeah even if you just got eight points two or three points you're fine you're, you're flying ahead of ireland and england in the, uh, the eurovision <laughs> over the last couple of years exactly <laughs> that's fine i mean you know with with brexit i i think it's unlikely we'll score very highly for the next 50 years but that's okay that's fine uh when it comes to other challenges so do you regret not doing margaret thatcher for snatch game and having two of them side by side. I don't know. I don't think I do, to be okay. honest. I think I made the right decision for me at that mm-hmm. time. And I made the right decision for Bagger as yeah. well. Because I, even with Julia Childs, I felt really confident. I was like, I can fucking sell this. I can do it. And then I put my ass down in that fucking seat. And I was like, oh, 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 oh my God, this, oh. It was horrendous. And so, like, how much worse would it have been if I'd had that reaction? I'd done so much research on Margaret Thatcher and I'd done so much work, you know, getting her right, making sure that the hair was like a piss take of what hers was Mm. like because she basically was wearing a helmet by the time she stopped being Prime Minister. I think she was, you know... It probably was like its own bomb disposal <laughs> unit in there, just in case Brighton happened again. Um, so I'd done loads of research and I, you know, the jewel right down to the jewelry, getting the rings exactly right. Like she had um, on one hand, she had all gold, and then on the other, it was like different coloured stones and stuff. So, you know, I'd done all of that, made sure everything was exactly right, had the outfit made. But if I'd sat there having put all that work in and still had that reaction, I would have looked even worse. That would have been horrendous. Mm. So, I mean, Julia Childs was not a success, but she wasn't as big a fail as somebody else's, you know. So my main issue was I questioned myself because I was going to be, okay, she can just be a filthy cow. But then we had Blue, who just took Mary Berry to the absolute place nobody ever thought Mary Berry would go. Yeah. Um, I like cream up my ass. <laughs> and it, we were all just like, okay. And I thought, well, there can't be two cooks who yes. are both just being filthy about food. Like, that doesn't work. 
Yes, yeah, so instead I, I just took all of her seasoning out and she was just very bland, bland. instead. For like, I mean, obviously your your mirror moments throughout the season are always, they, they, there's there's a um, slight sense of kind of the setup of the production stuff. But I mean, your, your talk about like Section 28 and that was like really affecting and really moving. And also like then Blue talking around uh, marriage equality in the North. Um, and that was the, the week was, ahead that it actually came through in the yeah, North that's as well. Really, it poor, was poor timing for Blue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how much of that is kind of given to you to talk about or how much it is your own kind of like you guys are just sitting there having the chat most of what happened on the show was us like really and that's why it feels the way that it does you know I think that UK Drag Race has a very different feeling to the American Drag Race Mm. I think partly down to the way that we as artists work you know so as drag queens in the UK, generally, the expectation is, is that you turn up and for 45 minutes to an hour, you entertain a crowd. So you're used to s- sitting and chatting. You don't need somebody to give you a theme to go, right, guys, we know that Vinegar is really struggling with her toenails. So can we talk about toenails right now, okay? <laughs> you know, that just that shit just isn't necessary yeah. with a UK... Yeah, drag artist because that's just not how we work mm. you know we don't go out do one number and then leave the stage and then come back and do another number in 20 yeah. minutes that's not what generally that's not what we do that does happen like I've run production shows where that's exactly what we've done but you still have to be able to have a conversation with the audience yeah. and that means that you are the person driving the conversation and so that's generally what happened on the show, actually. Yeah. There's very little where any of the production team had to step in and say, can you just talk about this or can you do that? You know, because we're all just so busy going, fuck you, bitch. I hate you. <laughs> 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 I think I think that's fair. I think like, I suppose we just finished what, you know, when we were watching season 12, all those seemed very set up, like, Jackie, talk about your dad. Whereas, genuinely, <laughs> in the UK drag race, it did just seem like it come up in conversation. Uh, so you've you've done a bit of reality TV before with the All Together Now and and the Voice and that. And of uh, would there be any other shows that would take your fancy? Um, of the oh my god, absolutely yes. Which, which would be which I, would be your favorite? I mean, I, one? <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously. Strictly Come Dancing would just mm. be like Strictly would be the one. Yeah. I mean. Partly because I don't, I wouldn't be stressed about it. You know, I would just go in there with a willingness to learn. And that's what I would, I would try and focus on is learning, you know, like with... And would you do it in drag? Like, would you do it as the female dancer? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, look, this is my, this is, I've channeled my entire life into doing drag. I'm not at this point going to go, right, let's get Gollum out. (laughs) Everybody can see him. Because there's been a lot of talk about Strictly and getting same-sex dancers on and stuff. I know Brian Brian Dowling, who won Big Brother in the UK, he did the first mm. same-sex dance in Dancing with the Stars Ireland. So I do think like other areas of the franchise are doing it. So yeah. I think the, the focus is on Strictly to be able to achieve something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, although um, Dancing on Ice did it this time, didn't they? they did, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. With H, yeah. With H. Um, and, you know, anything... Any of those. The things the things that I really like are the things where you get to learn something. You know, so like baggers yeah. on um 
Master Chef. Master Chef, isn't she? Well, mm. I mean, I'd be absolutely shocking shite on that. <laughs> <laughs> and if if All Stars, you know, went international and came knocking, would you be up for that? Absolutely, yeah. Of course. Why would you know, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um and I I think I would be much more relaxed about it because yeah. forever and ever and ever. Um, and, you know, some people have called me a bad faith actor, but I find competitions really, really uh, stressful. I I don't perform well in them. I uh, get in my head. I worry too much about what other people think, you know, whereas put me on, on stage in front of a crowd of 5,000 people, no problem. Not a single problem. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely can do that. Don't worry. I know exactly what I'm doing because I'm in control. Whereas in a competition, you are not in control. You have no control over anything. And everybody is, you know, looking for the mistakes. What do I? And it's so subjective as well. You know, there is no rule book for this is the right way to do it. And this is the wrong way, you know. So it's it's those people who are sat on that judging panel. It's their opinion and nothing else. I think this time I would just be like, okay, I can just go and relax and have a nice time. And, you know, I was too in my head and I really felt the pressure of uh, it being the first series. I really felt that, like, especially that it was the first time the rest of the world is going to get to see us. They're all going to yeah. be judging these drag queens. So I decided to bring my greyest makeup with me and show them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and what was it like getting that feedback from Michelle kind of on the runway week in, week out? Horrible. It's absolutely awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's horrible. There's, I mean, you can't say it's nice. You'd be a fucking liar. But, uh, but that's because that's her role. Like her job on that um, on that panel is to be the voice of RuPaul without RuPaul having to say any of that stuff, you know. So she she is the harshest critic and you know that she's going to be and that's her role there, you know, out of Drag Race. Michelle Visage is one of the loveliest people in the entire world. She is an absolute sweetheart. It doesn't mean that, she, you know, she won't occasionally uh, say something that you need to hear or she thinks you need to hear. Because <laughs> she will. Genuinely, she is one of the nicest people in showbiz. But you don't get to see that on the show. You just get to see, you know, somebody doling out. That wasn't good. That wasn't good. You need to do that better. And to be on the end of that, you know, whenever, when you've done something good or not, it's really fucking hard work. Like, yeah. you know, it's especially when you're like me and you're already mega anxious. You don't perform well in a competition situation. Um, it just, you know, it becomes like. And what about Graham and Alan? What were they like? Uh, they seemed to be more so. Alan seemed to be hesitant to be negative towards people. I think Graham f- was better at being constructive. What were they like to be judges? Uh, yeah, Graham was very happy to be negative to people. All right, okay. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to make the edit. Of course, you can say that. <laughs> um, Alan, any kind of criticism that Alan had, he would couch it very much in comedy, you know? So he's just, that's that's very much who he is anyway. Whereas Graham, but he was great. They were, all the judges are great, you know? But he definitely, he, he wasn't 
backwards at coming forwards when he thought, you know, you could have done something better. Yeah. You yeah. know, like on the, the finale, when I'm doing the splits in the finale, the second time we ran it, I forgot the words completely. Not a fucking clue. Not a bastard clue in the slightest. <laughs> so as those boys are dragging me backwards in the splits, I'm just doing the goldfish going, pop, 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 pop. The funny thing was, like, the others are going, you know, and your lip sync was great, da, 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 da. And, and uh, Graham was like, yeah. No, you forgot the words. You were doing the splits at the same time, but you still forgot the words. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> did you watch the Vivian Takes in Hollywood? And is that, that the sort of kind of show you would have liked to have done or would you have done a, something different? I did watch it, yeah. I probably would have done something different, but only because, like I said, so much of what I do is interactive. It's about people being involved. Yeah. Um, and and so I'd have I'd have probably done something that would have relied on some kind of participation, either external yeah. and them sending in ideas, or you know actually with them in as part of the show. Okay. Um, yeah, I probably would have done something more like that. Your latest single, Gratify, is out at the moment. It's a really, it's like a really interesting mixture of like opera and like dark club music, which is great. Okay, I mean, usually when people go an interesting mix, they mean shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I that's not I've just never heard. It. I've never. It's a really incongruous <laughs> piece of music. <laughs> if I had been like, your new song is um, interesting. No, that, that would have been really bad. <laughs> no, I've never heard opera in that that style, except maybe when Donna Summer covered Andrea Bocelli. Like, that's the only other time I could think of it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I just, I mean, probably the person who you would look at for stuff like that would be Sarah Brightman. Oh, yeah. Somebody like that. Yeah. You know, who mm-hmm. does that kind of crossover material sure. yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, it's a kind of, uh, it's like a melted down version of my career. Okay. You know, so there's commercial stuff in there as well as artistic, operatic, Mm. um, high art side of stuff. Um, and that's, that was kind of what I wanted from it. And also, you know, it's called gratify. It's about pleasing people, which is very much, I am a people pleaser. Yeah. you know, I've always been that. Can I help? Yes. Or do you need this? Oh, okay. There more music coming this year, or absolutely to- yes, there will be. Yeah. So I'll be doing another video for one of the tracks off the EP. Hopefully, sooner rather than later. You know, it's it's that thing of how do you how are you able to block the time to make sure that you mm. can make the most of everything. Um, I've got, mm-hmm. but this. I mean, I've got so much coming up and going on like i've got my own podcast is um coming out really really soon which is called fierce slay talk oh (laughs) (laughs) so just meeting loads of other people who work in the drag industry which um actually they're it's really good fun yeah um so i'm excited for that to come out there's uh obviously gratifies out i've got a tour red wig and silver dress you know, people shady bitches. <laughs> Let's make money out of them. No, it's like like Vinegar Stroke said. If you're the hodgepodge queen, you yeah. own it. You take exactly. Time, you take. You take. As that a queer and you put person, as a queer person, that's what we've always done. Take things which people say that try and hurt you, and own that shit and make money out of exactly. it. Exactly, one hundred percent. There's always a lot of talk about um, the drag race fandom, particularly in the US, and how toxic it could be. 
The UK seemed to be a lot more positive. Did you have any bad experiences with the fandom? I have not had any bad experiences bar five or six. Yeah. And like some of those have just, to me, been really, really hilarious. Like one guy, Mm -hmm. he called me... uh... So just to contextualise this, the guy did this, but then... After afterwards, he messaged me on another platform and said, I'm really sorry, I've got autism. I just get really focused on things. And I just said it and I shouldn't have said it. Okay. Um, but he called me, he said, uh, you ugly ferret woman, go and die under your bridge, you fucking bitch. Or something, you know, something like that, which I thought was quite funny because I was like, okay, ferrets are a Yorkshire thing. <laughs> I'm also from Brig House and he's told me to get under my bridge and die. But that's quite clever. He's a, I quite he's like a marketing that. genius. I should put Ferret Woman on a t-shirt. Great. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I think that's quite funny. Um, there was only one who was like really bad and I blocked her. Um you know, quite the weird thing is, quite often it's other people's fans. So they like, you know, Blue or they like Bagger or they like Viv or they like Crystal. And if you do something in that week or, you know, something happens for you, but it didn't happen for them, then they message you to attack you rather than messaging them saying, you were really great this week and I still love you, you know, which just to me makes no sense. And uh, the other thing that is like weird but happens quite a lot is people write horrible stuff about you online. They don't think you'll ever see it because they don't think that you're actually the person on the end of the phone, um, which I am. Um, And quite often people will write that stuff just to get a reaction for you to notice them, which I mean, with me doesn't work. I send them a love heart and that's it. You know, I'm not going to say, fuck off, I wish you'd die, you fucking bitch, blah, 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 all of that shit. Because I, I really don't care about Samantha from Scunthorpe and what she thinks about my life. <laughs> Scunthorpe is one of those great places to say, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha from Scunthorpe doesn't sound as good as a like, Bridget from Ballyhardis. <laughs> no, because she sounds like fun. I want to go for a drink yeah. with Bridget. <laughs> Come on, girl! <laughs> Oh, love Davina. Yeah, no, that laugh, it is every bit as energetic and exciting as you would expect it to be from hearing it on the television. <laughs> yeah. And I think as as the owner of an obnoxious laugh, I have to say, like, it's good to be in that company. You, yeah, know, I, I you, think, you can't feel judged. I, I feel I have an obnoxious laugh as well, though, would you say? I think it does get a bit overshadowed by yours, but I mean... <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I didn't want to say I was overshadowing <laughs> you, but... <laughs> Fine, yours obnoxious, is bigger than mine. <laughs> obnoxious laugh, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Size doesn't matter, James. <laughs> as you heard her say that she's a new podcast, Out Fierce to Slay Talk, which is definitely worth listening to. Just cute little kikis with other drag 
alum Cheryl Hole Blue, uh, Blue Hydrangea I always called her Blue St. Clair lol. Blue <laughs> Hydrangea uh, Danny Beard definitely worth listening to and, absolutely and her track Gratify that now and I actually do like it I know she made it sound like I was fake and I feel really <laughs> bad now and I don't know how to justify it to her but so that, I think you just need to really really sort of like hammer hone how, how you actually yeah. like it like <laughs> I, I actually like it I, think yeah. that's I the best. actually do like, like I really actually do I just had to post all these pictures of me listening to it yeah. but uh, yeah thank you for Davina DeCamper for coming on and we'll be back with you on Saturday for another episode of Drag Race Canada bye, bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.